From Toronto, Canada, The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Hey, thanks for inviting me into your home, your long-haul truck, taxi, RV, camper, your parents' basement, your loft, that greasy spoon just off the interstate, and your cabin in the woods. A special hello to all of you listening in on uh, one of our affiliate stations, of course, and the uh, the podcast, TalkZone.com. And if you can't get the podcast, well, first of all, get the app, the Conspiracy Show app, problem solved. But if, for whatever reason, the program is not available, the podcast isn't up on iTunes or TuneIn or whatever, because I get emails occasionally, people say it's not working. That's beyond my pay scale. I don't know, but you can always go to TalkZone.com. Just give it a few days and it will be there, the podcast. But the quick, easy answer is get the app. It's a fantastic app, the Conspiracy Show app, and it's a free download. Wherever and however you are listening, I bid thee the warmest of welcomes, and I thank you for your fine company. Uh, This hour, open lines. Open lines. Wherever you want to steer this thing, climb on board. At 416-360-0740, that's the Greater Toronto Area, 416-360-0740, and toll-free from just about anywhere, 866-740-4740, If you want to talk about something you've heard on a previous show, uh, and we've had some good ones of late, um, in fact... Marcus Allen was with us, when was that, Albert, uh, a couple weeks ago, just after the new year, talking about evidence that the lunar landings were a hoax, not just Apollo 11, but all of them, right through till uh, Apollo 17, and he he de- delves really into the photographic evidence. Uh, and I had Marcus on Coast to Coast with me last night for three hours, and he stirred the pot, <laughs> and I tell you, uh, it's almost like a sacred cow, and I understand why. The lunar landing hoax. I mean, it is uh, perceived as the pinnacle of human achievement and, of course, American know-how. And let's face it, a lot of people paid the ultimate price working for the space program. A number of people died during uh, the Gemini program. Uh, Horrible capsule fire um, during Apollo 1. And, um, you know, various uh, crashes of uh, the starfighters and the um, various aircraft, all part of the space program, space program, who died. So to question the veracity of the lunar landings is a, is a sore point with many, understandably so. However, uh, we don't shy away from uh, controversy, and we, we try and pre- present a, uh, a respectful platform. However, um, if you want to talk about Marcus Allen and what he had to say about the space program, if you want to talk about... Uh, Trump, uh, it's been an historic 72 hours, the inauguration, the protests, the uh, unwinding of the Obama legacy at the stroke of a pen uh, with President Trump. Uh, we, can, we can go there, certainly. If you want to talk, uh, if you want to report a UFO, I guess now the proper term is, uh, it's not UFO. We're not supposed to call them UFOs anymore, Albert. We're supposed to call them UAPs. Have you heard, have you heard, yeah, unidentified I've heard two, unidentified anomalous, anomalous rather, phenomena, unidentified anomalous phenomena, or uh, is it ide- unidentified aerial phenomena? Sorry, not gonna, I'm, not, I'm not ever going to call them UAPs. They're UFOs. I mean, why mess with the brand, right? We've, we've called them UFOs since Kenneth Arnold for 70 years, and now all of a sudden you're going to call them UAPs? That sounds like some sort of, a, I don't know, a teacher's union? The UAP, we're fighting for our rights, or I don't know, a, a parcel service? 
UAP. It's not UAP. They're UFOs. That's it. <laughs> um, so we can talk about that. Or if you've had a ghostly encounter, uh, maybe you've got a haunted object. Remember that guy that called in and he had um, he had inherited uh, it was a clown doll or something from someone in the family and uh, he it was haunted uh, or possessed perhaps whatever the case may be. So if you want to talk about that, maybe you've got a, a ghost problem. I can't really remedy the situation. Rosemary Ellen Guiley isn't with us, but we can chat about it. Um, so again, open lines four one six three six zero zero seven forty eight six six seven forty four seven forty. So now we're going to get to what's in the box. We teased it in the uh, the first hour, uh, and again, Albert Vinzel, my story producer, remote viewer, is here. Technical producer Ian Robertson. Our fine rockabilly friend uh, on the other side of the glass, uh, Ian Robertson, is um, twisting the uh, the knobs and the dials. And uh, for those of you listening at home, again, use the hashtag if you want to guess, if you want to partake in a remote viewing experiment, use the hashtag TCS. That's The Conspiracy Show Remote. TCS Remote. And again, we had Douglas Cottrell, Canada's Edgar Casey, on the show last week. And he really read me the riot act, he blamed the failure of this remote viewing experiment on me. Because uh, poor Albert uh, is, is about one for 11 now. He got very close with one. Do you remember that one, Albert? You had, um, it was, what was it, a Brussels sprout or something? No, it was an uh, olive. olive. An yeah. olive, and you, what did you say it was? <laughs> you were close, anyway. You said something. Green some, pepper. A green like pepper, it. that's right. A, a, a vegetable of some sort. You were close, but after that, nothing. And, and Douglas Cottrell blamed me in a nice way. Um, I'm not directing people's attention properly. So, sitting in a cigar box with the lid open on my desk here in the radio station, in the studio at 70 Jefferson Avenue at the Zoomerplex in Liberty Village, Toronto, there is an object. So, suspend your critical analytical mind, quiet your mind, focus, hone in on this object. If you want to guess, hashtag TCS Remote. For those of you in studio, Ryan and Ian and Albert, I welcome your participation. And uh, for those of you listening at home, whoever comes closest, I'll, I'll set you up with some Conspiracy uh, Show merch from our online store. Check out it, check it out at theconspiracyshow.com. And store, we've got uh, phone cases and mugs and T-shirts and sweatshirts and hoodies and so forth. Okay. So, um, I had lots of fun hosting Coast to Coast last night. Really stirred things up with uh, Joel Skousen, who's been on this show. It's been a while since we've had Joel from World Affairs Brief. Uh, I gotta tell you though, we had a lot of, uh, I got a lot of emails, uh, that were taken aback that, uh, we would have Joel Skousen on the program and he would actually offer up opinions that differ from their own. Um, and that he would be allowed to do so. Which is always remarkable to me. People would start an email, I can't believe how biased your guest was. Well yes, a bias. Most people have them. It's called an opinion and we have you know, the right to, uh, to voice them. But some people take umbrage with that. They don't think they should be allowed. Uh, but what's interesting is I got about 50, uh, 50 emails, roughly, and split right down the middle. Because Joel is a conservative, to say the least. Somewhat like myself, somewhere right of Attila the Hun. Uh, but but uh, And Joel, not afraid to voice his opinions, and that's why we have him on the air. He has a particular viewpoint. And uh, not exactly pro-Trump, but at least he's behind, you know, he's behind the president. He wants him to succeed. And so we talked about that on Coast. And I had about, I said again, about 50 emails and tweets split right down the middle. And half of them were saying, how dare you have this person coming on supporting Trump? 
President Trump. Uh, and then the other half somehow didn't think that Joel was supporting the president enough. So you know you're doing it right when you get that kind of a split. Uh, but we'll get Joel back on the program because, you know, this, this whole Trump thing is, um, obviously we are in for a fascinating four years, at least four years. Let's see what the next 100 days uh, bring. So if you want to talk about that, we can do that. Um, and then I mentioned, you know, we had Marcus Allen. I had him on coast last night. I've had him on here a couple of weeks ago. We can talk about, if you want to talk about the photographic evidence that the lunar landing was a hoax. Um, all right. So why don't we do what's in the box here now? Albert, Ryan, Ian, let me get you to weigh in here. Are you getting anything? Are you getting any images, Albert? Well, I, I really like Mitch's answer. I was thinking the same thing. I wrote down Little Red Book, and I drew like a square with four lines on it. But he said Valentine's Day card, Red Heart, Square Book Red. Okay. Ian, did you get anything? Uh, I was seeing something square or something round also at the same time. Square like a, or round? Or I, I saw a sphere, and then I saw like a cube. A cube. Okay, a cube. All right, any colors, any texture? No. Okay, all right. Ryan? I let it kind of uh, start to manifest, and I saw kind of a, a poof of smoke, and then I pictured like a, a small dinosaur creature in that smoke. A dinosaur. Yeah. Keep in mind, this is a small humidor. Yeah. A little, <laughs> you mean a toy doy- like oh, a little, a toy, little toy dinosaur. Yeah, a little oh, toy all one. All right, interesting. Yeah. Okay. All right, I thought when you said the puff of smoke, you were going to say something about the Vatican or the election of a pope. <laughs> All right. Um, we will uh, we will do the reveal on that in a moment. Why don't we grab a call and let's see who do we have? Let me bring my screener up here. Oh, uh, Ron in Burlington. Welcome to the Conspiracy Show. He wants to talk about climate change. Hey, Ron. Hi. How are you? I'm well, thank you. Thank you for taking my call. My pleasure. I really enjoyed your last guest, and then when I heard him talking about sun cycles and stuff like that and climate change, I said. Oh, I'm not going to bed now. I've got to at least phone in and, and give a plug for uh, an excellent book that there's so much information out there and misinformation about climate change. It's no wonder the average person in Canada and the United States cannot make an intelligent decision and separate the wheat from the chaff. Um, if you forgive me for plugging it, I have nothing to do with these two professors. But uh, it's called Taken by Storm mm-hmm. by Ross McKittrick, and he's he's an economist at the University of Guelph, a and, professor. And does he subscribe to anthropogenic global warming? Uh, yes and no. Okay. Let, let me tell you the other person, first of all. I'll, I'll give you a little quick story of how I got a hold of this book. Okay, well, you only got about a minute. Oh, all right. The other person is Chris Essex. They both deserve to be mentioned because if you really want to understand climate change, then the first thing you have to understand is that the greenhouse effect is a metaphor, dumbed down so people would understand. And two, you cannot speak of the average global temperature. Oh, exactly. There's no such thing. There's no such thing as an average global temperature. Absolutely. It's as meaningless as the average global phone number. That's right. That's right. If I get those two things across and people buy that book and read it, I will have done a a great disservice and so will you. A a great service. All right. Okay, Ron, appreciate it. Thanks for checking in from Burlington. All right, we'll take a time out, come back, open lines. We'll uh, reveal what's in the box. Interesting stories as well yet to come. Uh, The United States in Congress, they have introduced a bill to pull the United States out of the U.N. It's called the... 
something about the U.S. Uh, uh, Regaining American Sovereignty Act or something like that. We'll talk about that. And an interesting Western from the 1950s that's somewhat prophetic about the rise of Trump. We'll play a clip from that as well. The truth will set you free. But first, it will really tick you off. You're listening to The Conspiracy Show with Richard Sarrett. All right, welcome back. Uh, we will uh, do the reveal on what's in the box in just a moment. Albert, why don't you uh, go to the Twitter feed? What are uh, And people, again, use the hashtag TCSremote. Right. Oh, it just got three new notifications. And Carlsberg says a journal. And uh, the same Carlsberg says a ball and a deck of cards. Uh, Sally says she sees a round, clear crystal with a clear star point. It's end pointing at the crystal. All right. A toothbrush from Ross. Uh, let's see. Uh, something liquid in a container from Benjamin. And uh, an Evian bottle from uh, Amanda. A whistle from Leanne. Um all right, that's enough for now. Yeah, we, I think I mentioned the whistle earlier. Okay. Uh, Melanie is here in Toronto. Melanie wants to weigh in and uh, remote view. Melanie, good morning. Good, yeah, good morning. Welcome. Hello. Hi there. Hi, how are you? I'm just fine. Top drawer. Thank you for asking. Happy New Year, by the way, Richard. You just made it. This is the cutoff. Actually, ap- uh, I think February, uh, January 22nd. Uh, after oh, that, is it? <laughs> you, uh, well, this is my, I just made it up, actually. But after this, oh, you can't, uh, otherwise you'd have people June 27th wishing people a Happy New Year. And that's just a recipe for chaos. We oh, can't I have see. that. Okay. okay. So happy new year. <laughs> Thank you. Um, oh, w- one thing um, before I tell you what I saw um, in remote viewing. Um, remember when I said once a month ago, quite a while ago actually, that you asked me on the show that uh, who will win the uh, to be a president, and I said that Trump will. Ah, yes. Okay. You made that you prediction. Good for you. Um, yes. Vaguely, yes. Yeah. Vaguely. Good for you. You got it. You nailed it. Well, you okay. see, they, all the pollsters should have hired you down in the U.S. because Maybe. <laughs> they just failed miserably, didn't they? Well, I lost a friend in the U.S., one of them, because of that. Oh, that's <laughs> terrible. Have you? Oh, well. it's, it's never been so divisive. And you know what? Extremely, yeah. I know. It's, it's, it's really a shame. It is. It's dividing. It is. It's, I was reading about, like during the U.S. Thanksgiving, how people that were supporting Trump were disinvited by oh. their family, their own families, daughters oh and sons, basically disowning their own parents for supporting <sighs> Trump. And I, I got to be honest, I didn't read about the other thing happening. I didn't read about, you know, uh, Trump people disinviting Clinton supporters and so forth. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, it's a shame. It's really bad. It, it shouldn't be happening like this. No, no. All right, Melanie, you wanted to uh, to do some uh, remote viewing here. What's yes. in the box? Uh, um, well, when I first heard this before, I saw something round, ecru uh, color or like a, a light grayish, you know, to yellow color. And it had something to do with either around design or on top of it, like um, a race, sort of like um, star or a, like a flower petals. Hmm. So when I when I then I thought, well, it kind of <laughs> resembled all um, almost like you know that that seashell that um, what's it called the dollar something the silver dollar. The silver dollar yeah, seashell, yeah, something like that. Right, yeah. right, okay. When you find it on a on a on a, uh, on a sand on a beach, right, right. Yeah. 
so that this is what came to me this time. <laughs> well, Melanie, that's a that's an interesting guess. Um, nobody came close. I'm going to do the reveal right now. Actually, no one even came close. What is it? Domino. <laughs> Domino. That's right. Domino. All right. I don't know. We'll we'll keep trying. We'll keep trying. Maybe I'm still not directing people's attention well enough. Melanie, hey, listen, thanks for the call. I appreciate it. And I'm sorry you lost your friend down in the United States. Well, that's her choice, right? <laughs> well, just keep reaching out. Keep reaching out. You be the bigger person. Thank you for the call. Uh, let's say Pedro is checking in from Los Angeles, from the City of Angels. Pedro, welcome. How are you? Welcome, uh, Richard. Love your show. Thank you. How are you listening in, by the way? Um, actually, I'm going to hang out on air. Oh, great. Okay. And, and I'm calling about Donald Trump's speech on Friday about uh, about medical, about life extensions, and about uh, renewable energies, about uh, technologies being suppressed to the public. Wow, that's a lot of stuff, Pedro. Let's okay. Where do you want to start? Do you want to start with start with the inaugural speech? Yeah, with the where he was, he was saying about life extensions. Trump was talking about life extensions? I don't remember that. Yeah, he was saying about uh, technology suppressed to the public, about how we're going to make strides in this millennium. Oh, okay, yeah, I think he generally talked about, you know, I think he generally talked maybe about technology, although that doesn't stand out anyway. All right, so you want, what do you, what do you, um, how do you feel about life extending technology? Well, it's good in some ways, in other ways, you know, it depends on how it's used, because anything that's good could be misused, too. Right. I mean, I'm not sure that he was talking about the transhumanist movement, which, I, which you know, I, I have some problems with. The idea uh, of the transhumanist movement, I mean, they're talking about radically extending no, human life. I'm, 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 I think he's talking about more of uh, medicine-wise... Uh, better technology, like in hospitals and things like that. Okay. Well, he did during the campaign talk about certain life-saving medications, uh, and but due to certain regulations, they're being held back, and he wants to speed up, um, I guess, studies so that these life-saving medications can be released to the public faster, which, you know, who could argue with that? Yeah, that's true. Well, that's really much I would, uh, wanted to talk about. Thank you so much. Uh, Richard. Hey, Pedro. Hey, great to hear from you. Call again, Pedro. Thank you. All the best. Uh, let's go to Niagara, and Dave joins us here on The Conspiracy Show. Good evening, Dave. Hi, Richard. Good to talk to you again. Likewise. Um, one thing I'd l- like to know is, uh, if you don't mind, what draws you to be a conservative? Uh, common sense, for one thing. Uh, and that's my perspective. That's my opinion. That I look at the world and I say, well, what makes sense here? And also... Um, you know, life experience informs my worldview. And I, say, I think that it, it does for everyone, right? Your experiences shape who you are, who you become, the choices that you make. Hopefully they're based on your experiences and common sense shape who you are. We are ultimately uh, what we choose, the choices that we make. Okay, I guess to be more specific, what is it that you find, you know, that, that would br- uh, bring you to be a conservative? What are what, the drawing points? I mean, what are the highlights? Because I'm having a little difficult time seeing that. 
Well, what, I mean, what area? There's there's different types of conservatives. There's a right, fiscal. Maybe, maybe let's talk about fiscal. Well, no, no, no. I mean, I fi- there's fiscal there's fiscal conservatives and about. there are social conservatives. There's fiscal conservatives, and I'm a fiscal conservative. Uh, you know, how do you run your household? You don't spend more than you take in, right? That's fiscal conservatism. You don't you don't borrow against the future, uh, unless you know some emergency. But you know, you put money away for a rainy day. You you, you pay in cash when you can. You don't run up huge debts on your credit card. Uh, you don't, you know, borrow from Peter to pay Paul. That's fiscal conservative. That to me is common uh, conservatism. That's common sense. Yeah, I'm not sure. Am I being blocked? Can you hear me okay? No, I can hear you. Yes. Oh, yeah, I think I may have been blocked. I have a problem with the phone book. Oh. What I was going to say is that what I wanted to talk about was uh, conservatism and how it's uh, tied into what I consider the biggest divide and conquer conspiracy, religion. And what I'm finding from a book by Bart Ehrman, uh, misquoting Jesus, the story behind who changed the Bible and why, it seems to have been changed throughout the uh, the centuries, uh, and including you know verses that weren't in it originally that have been put in afterwards, including uh, you know let the one among you who is without sin cast the first stone. Apparently, that didn't uh, wasn't in the Greek version. And then when they translated it into English, somehow it got in there. But my point is that, is that because there's so many uh, denominations, especially in Christianity, it causes infighting, and people um, get indoctrinated into things that I believe are not true. And the other book that I wanted to mention, um, Jeffrey Doherty has been on coast a couple times. Uh, George has interviewed him, called, uh, wrote a book called Apostle Paul Antichrist. And what I believe, even before I even heard of Jeff Doherty, was that I believe Paul was from the dark side, and he faked his conversion. And it's what I've been saying lately, if you can't beat them, co-opt them. He went in and took over the movement, because he was fighting with people in the Bible. He'd even come out and say, you know, he'd be explaining why he was doing things. And I think he was the infiltrator that distorted the Bible and took it down the wrong path. And the last thing I'll say about that is as a minister once said, there's so much about Paul in the New Testament. I'm surprised we're not called Polynesians. Right. Well, first of all, what in, in what way do you think he took us down the wrong path? I mean, based on what would you say that he was an infiltrator? Well, because he had this miraculous, uh, you know, experience where he had... Well, of course, we're familiar with, yeah, his conversion on the road to Damascus right. when he was Saul, and he was a persecutor of, of, of Christians. Uh, I mean, this is a... Pretty significant, uh, you know, aspect of the of the New Testament. But how did he? Do you believe, based on your readings or what these other people are writing about, how do they argue that he sort of twisted the the the, the intent of of uh, of of Jesus? Well, like I say, there, there was one uh, statement that he did say, and that's in reference to uh, long hair and a man is abomination. Right. Yet every picture of Jesus you see, he's got long hair. So what happened there? Yeah, you're right. That one has always uh, perplexed me. Um, I should have maybe I'll bring uh, Jonathan Kahn back on the program. He just emailed me. He was he um, he he just attended the uh, inaugural prayer meeting, breakfast meeting, and uh, wanted to let me know that he was down there. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'll have to bring him on that. That que- that question has has always intrigued me as well. Well, I got Ian Punnett to get Bart Ehrman on, and I'm wondering if you might want to talk to him or Jeffrey Doherty since he's been on coast and, uh, you know, maybe uh, get some get their point of view up. Because if this is true, uh, um, Richard, I mean, follow the truth, right? 
if it is a, a case of where they're putting this out to control the masses in the wrong direction, obviously it's you know important to get this out. And Bart Ehrman's book, like I say, misquoting Jesus, pretty well points out that the Bible has been changed throughout the century. I have a, no, I have a problem with that because okay. when you look at um, when they talk about the transcripts, uh, the you know how they would transcribe the Bible and and uh, the, the books of the Bible rather before they were collated into mm-hmm. the Bible before it was the Bible. Uh, my understanding, and based on everything I've read, is that actually very, very little has changed. Now, um, sometimes the translation from the, the Hebrew into the Greek, or the Greek into the Hebrew, into the English, you'll get subtle differences. Uh, for example, the meaning of charity. Um, the way it's written in Greek means something slightly different. But when you look, and remember, these were written out by hand, and mistakes were not dealt with lightly. If you made a mistake... And you have these things being written over and over and over again by hand throughout the, the um, you know, decades and decades. Very little has changed. Very little has changed in the Bible. It well, remains intact, cohesive, and what is truly remarkable about the Bible is here we have 66 books written over a period of several thousand years, and, and, and yet by something like 40 different authors. And yet when it's, when the, all these books are brought together, there is a cohesiveness, uh, you know, the, the old saying that the Old Testament is the New Testament revealed and the New Testament is the, um, sorry, the, the Old Testament is the New Testament concealed and the New Testament is the Old Testament revealed. I mean, how does that happen? Well, uh, Bart Ehrman would say different there, Richard. He says it has been changed a lot. Like I say, Ian Punnett had him on host a mm-hmm. couple times. Maybe you'd want to get him on and uh, talk to him. And Jeffrey Doherty, too. All right. Send me, uh, send me uh, the, the names. Uh, I think uh, I have by Twitter before. but uh, Send yeah. me the email. Jeffrey if you Doherty could. and, uh, and uh, Bart Ehrman. Try All right. Them up. Okay, thanks. Appreciate Richard. it. Thank you, Dave. Yeah, bye. Uh, boy, that's a, a swamp when you get into discussing the Bible. And I'm not the student of the Bible that I would like to be. Uh, one day, perhaps. Um, oh, we're going to break soon. But um, I wanted to um, mention this. I'll, I'll tee it up now, and we'll get into it after the break. And um, we were talking about remote viewing. Uh, the CIA, a couple of days ago, earlier this week, they didn't release 13 million uh, pages of declassified documents. They were released quite a while ago. Uh, it made a big news uh, splash, and I was uh, called up. CTV News wanted me to go on and talk about it because these CIA documents that were released, 13 million pages, dating back from you know the 1950s, early 50s, during the height of the Cold War, 50s, 60s, 70s, they were actually released quite a while ago. Uh, back in the mid-90s, under the Clinton administration, he issued an executive order stating that any document 25 years or older uh, had to be released unless it was exempt because of national security and so forth. And so the CIA had to release a huge document dump, 13 million pages. Well, they were released, but in order to access it, you had to actually physically go down to College Park in Maryland to the National Archives, and then you had to go up to the third floor in the library, and then way in the back there were the three computer consoles, and uh, very difficult, uh, obviously, if you wanted to research these documents, many of them pertain to, to UFOs, and many of them pertain to remote viewing programs like Stargate at Fort Meade in Maryland, which is what they wanted me to talk about on, uh, on CTV News. Uh, incidentally, if you want to see my interview on CTV News, you can go to my uh, Twitter feed. I think we've pinned that there. Just click on it. The video is actually embedded in the tweet. So go to at Richard Serrett, S-Y-R-E-T-T. Uh, and a lot of 
sort of nondescript uh, UFO reports. People would want to, they would have a, a UFO sighting. They wanted to file a report, so they would go to a CIA branch office. So you get a lot of that. There's some cool things in there, like uh, the CIA uh, released the secret recipe for making invisible ink and and, uh, and things like that. The point is, you had to go down to College Park, log on to these computers, and then if you wanted, you couldn't download them onto a, like a thumb drive. You had to physically print them. And then if you wanted to share them with the world, you'd have to print them and then take them home and then rescan them and then upload them however you, you wanted to do it. 13 million pages. Now, there's this guy, Mark, or Michael Best. He's with Muckrock, right? And um, you may have read his tweets. He uh, went down to College Park and he started printing these up because the CIA was adhering to the letter of the law. They made them accessible, but only on these computers, but not to the spirit of the law. They weren't widely distributed. So he started printing them, and the National Archives had to pay for the paper and the toner. He printed 700,000 copies, or 700,000 of these 13 million documents. And then he would take them home and scan them and, and put them out there. So the National Archives said, we can't afford to keep doing this. So finally, and Muck, Muckrock, his editor at Muckrock, um, also sued the uh, CIA under FOIA. So finally, this is, they sort of embarrassed them. And now they're available online so researchers can examine them and sift through 13 million pages from the comfort of their own um dank basement <laughs> instead of going down to College Park. And But, uh, Albert, don't we have someone from Muckrock, com- yeah, Muckrock coming I, on? I'm bringing up the calendar now. He'll be on... Um, Sometime in February, I think yeah, you said. Uh, February 26th, and his name is J. Pat Brown. From Muckrock. All right, right. We'll, talk about, uh, we'll talk about that with him. All right, when we come back, the U.S. wants to get out of the U.N. We'll uh, also talk about a, a Western from the 1950s that is eerily prophetic. Plus, open lines. Stay with us. When in doubt, blame the government. You're listening to The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. All right, welcome back. Just want to uh, talk about Trump here for a few moments, because let's face it, this is historical. It's, it's going to be the most interesting, uh, tumultuous 100 days, I think, in U.S. history. Uh, much of it will be done or undone, and as the case of Obama's legacy with the stroke of a pen. But this has been going on for some time, I think even... Former Texas Congressman Ron Paul introduced a bill several years ago to remove the United States from the United Nations. I'd love to get your take on this. This is a proposed House resolution would set the stage for the United States to remove itself from the United Nations. It's called the American Sovereignty Restoration Act of 2017. And it is sponsored by Representative Mike Rogers, a Republican from Alabama, introduced in the House back on January the 3rd. It has been referred to the House Committee on Foreign Affairs, according to the Congress website. And again, the bill proposes that the United States terminate its membership in the United Nations, that the U.N. removes its headquarters from the U.S., and that the U.S. stops participating in the World Health Organization. Now, should it pass, the act would take two years after it is signed to take effect. Again, the American Sovereignty Restoration Act of 2017. How do you feel about that, the United States pulling out of the United Nations? Basically, they're saying to the rest of the world, and let's face it, a lot of these, what are there, something like 197 members, a lot of these are dictators who are anti-West, anti-Israel, and these are bad actors on the world stage, a lot of them. So you can't blame the United States for at least thinking, well, maybe we won't fund this and that. But pulling out, I'm not sure. I think it's always good to have a, a place at the table, even if... 
the other people at the table are rather unsavory characters in some cases. Not all, but let's face it. You look at the makeup of the United Nations and the, and the countries, the state of the world. Not a lot of stable democracies out there. So if you want to weigh in on that, I don't think it's going to happen. But Trump is promising to uh, maybe pull back on some of the funding. Listen, they pay the lion's share, the United Nations. And it's it, it gets kind of uh, annoying when you're paying the freight and you're constantly being kicked under the table. So we shall see about that. Now, this is kind of cool. I found this uh, online this afternoon, and people talk about how The Simpsons, you know, they'll they'll have an episode and it'll air several years prior to some event. I think there was some sort of a prophetic episode dealing with 9-11. There was a prophetic episode dealing with the rise of Trump, right? They predicted that Trump would be president and so forth, and they had a big laugh, ha, ha, ha. Well, who's laughing now? Certainly not Matt Greening. But it turns out, back in the late 1950s, there was a Western serial ran for about two years, from 57 to 59. It was a Western TV series. It was called Trackdown. Never heard of it before. And uh, there's a 1958 episode of Trackdown called The End of the World. And the clip features the actor, Lawrence Dobkin, again, never heard of him, playing the role of a character, again, in this Western. His name is Walter Trump. And he is a fraud who rides into town claiming... That only he can prevent the end of the world by, well, I'm not going to tell you by, but let me just, again, this character's name is Trump. He's kind of a shady character. He rides into town. Let me play the first clip. He's being, and he's, well, he's bald. Okay, so he doesn't look like Trump. You're right, Ian. Ian wanted me to point that out. He doesn't look like Trump, but his name is Trump. And let me play this first clip. He's being confronted, I think, in a saloon by the sheriff who doesn't like Trump. Uh, Your name is Trump? All right, Sheriff, how long are you going to put up with this? What do you mean? How long are you going to let this con man walk around town? Be careful, son, I can sue you. How about it, Sheriff? When are you going to put the lid on? What for? Well, stealing is stealing, whether you do it with a gun or a mouthful of mealy words. I don't intend to sit here and be insulted, Sheriff. If your people don't want my help, I can go elsewhere. Wait a minute, Mr. Trump, he don't talk for the rest of us. All right, did you catch that? This character, Walter Trump, saying, careful, I'll sue you. Where have you heard that before? (laughs) Now, it gets better. All right, so again, this Walter Trump, he's kind of a bit of a uh, a con man, a fraud, yes, and he's warning the people that some catastrophic event is going to happen at midnight, and only he can save them. Let's hear that clip. The people were ready to believe. Like sheep, they ran toward the slaughterhouse. And waiting for them was the high priest of fraud. I am the only one. Just me. I can build a wall around your homes that nothing will penetrate. What do we do? How do we save ourselves? You ask, how do you build that wall? You ask, and I'm here to tell you. You're a liar, Trump. I can build a wall. There you go. How crazy is that? Walter Trump. Uh, I'm sure you can find it on YouTube. Again, the series was called Trackdown, and this comes from a 1958 episode titled The End of the World. And uh, the actor was uh, Lawrence Dobkin playing Walter Trump. So in that first clip, when he's approached by the sheriff, who's kind of on to him, uh, calls him a fraud and a thief, and Trump says, careful what you say, I'll sue you. Sounds somewhat familiar. And uh, and then he promises to save the town from catastrophe. Only he can save them by building a wall. How crazy is that? Back to more of your calls. 
on open lines here on The Conspiracy Show, 416-360-0740. Toll free from just about anywhere, 866-740-4740. Curiosity, or did the devil make you do it? Whatever the reason, welcome back to The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. All righty then, welcome back. We are into the home stretch. Almost right, uh, almost time to dim the lights and head on home before we do that. Uh, Albert, uh, give us a heads up. What's coming up on the program next week? We have a good one. Oh, there we are. <laughs> we, we have a good one. It's uh, Dr. Michael Dixon from the University of Guelph and how you would grow food on Mars when we get our Mars colony up there. Excellent. All right. And that's followed by uh, Nick Redfern, 365 Days of UFOs. Nick Redfern. This, is the, this guy is, he and Rosemary Ellen Guiley are the most prolific writers I've seen anywhere. If They, they have one book um, ready to go. Or it's been published. It's available. We're on, you know, they're on the show talking about it. They have another one that's in the process of being published, and then they have another one in the works. <clears throat> Excuse me. They are just so prolific. I'm, I'm just so impressed. Uh, I always love having Nick Redfern on the program, and Rosemary, of course. Uh, all right. Thank you, Albert. So, again, Nick Redfern in the second hour, 365 Days of UFOs. And the first hour, Dr. Michael Dixon from the University of Guelph, How to Grow Food on Mars. Uh, Gary is in Buffalo. Gary, welcome. Hi. Ex-Canadian Defense Minister Paul Hellyer. Yes. Um, last summer was at a UFO conference, I believe, and he said that um, he heard a deathbed confession from a fellow Canadian official who had visited Area 51. Hmm. Um, I was requesting that you might uh, follow up on that, and uh, because I did listen to the YouTube um, video, and uh, there was no details. But he said he did have details. Oh, okay. Well, I'll definitely get uh, Paul on. Paul is, it's it's a kind of a late hour, but maybe I'll have to pre-tape it uh, because Paul is, he's, right. I think he's pushing 95. He's still in excellent health as far as I know, I pray. Uh, and it's been a while since we've had him on the program. And the last time I ran into Paul was at the, um, it was the Cosmic Expo in my hometown, Brantford, last summer. Uh, along yeah, with the late, uh, the late Bob Mitchell and, 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 uh, and others. So it is high time we get Paul on. Um, I'm also very interested, of course, in Paul's work dealing with the, uh, the Bank of Canada and reforming the Bank of Canada. Uh, but yeah, it's high time to get Paul back on and I'll ask him about that. Thank you. Okay. Thank you. All right, my friend. Thank you. Dave from Buffalo. Uh, Andrew, welcome to the conspiracy show. Where are you checking in from? Where are you, Andrew? I'm calling from Mississauga tonight. Mr. and Mississauga. All right. Welcome. So, Richard, one question I have for you. Yes. Um, we have unforeseen occurrences happening soon um, with uh, wars and everything going on. What is your best way uh, that you would sustain yourself in a bunker or just getting ready for the end of the world, like prepping water, canned food, books, rice, etc.? Uh, well, I'm not prepping for the end of the world, but I think it's important to uh, at least be prepared for, let's say, some sort of interruption in the supply of services for at least 72 hours. So, you know, you want to have enough water for 72 hours. You want to have some cash on hand. You don't announce it, of course, but it's that's important because uh, if the ATM goes down and you have no cash, you know, that could be problematic. So have some cash on hand. Uh, for, you know, maybe a week's worth. 
Mm-hmm. Also, obviously, you know, you want to have um, flashlights, fresh batteries, candles, just the routine stuff. But I'm not, uh, Andrew, I'm not one of these doomsday preppers. Um, I mean, you know, one day the lights will go out and for a, a prolonged period of time. And uh, I'm talking about some sort of a, a solar flare or an EMF event. We're overdue for a Carrington event. Uh, I mean, the the... the the, I've, I've read the scenarios for such an event. Uh, if the grid goes down for an extended period of time, uh, that would be catastrophic. Agreed. I've read estimates of 99% of North American population would be gone within the first year. 90, no, 90%. My apologies. 90%. I mean, how do you prepare for something like that? Right. Uh, you know what? Just pray. Conduct yourself, um, you know, conduct yourself as a, a, a good as a good person, and 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 being helpful, and building a community, and and um, you know, keep keep the idea of of going you know north somewhere and and um, locating yourself in a log cabin and isolating yourself. That's not going to work. You need to surround yourself with carpenters and doctors and dentists and people that uh, you know that are handy and know how to fix things. You got to build kind of a, a, a community. So. My, I think you need to stay put, first of all. I don't believe you bug out necessarily, unless you can do all those things yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so work on building one of those, the, these types of communities. Collect friends like that. You know, everyone should, ha- you know, the, the old saying, do you have a guy, do you have a guy that can do this, a guy that can do that? I got a guy, I got a, a, a guy that's a mechanic, I got a guy that works on computers, I got a guy that's, uh, you know, a medical doctor. You need to have people, or a woman, you need to have people like that in your life. And then, you know, and then, uh, uh, have enough, you know, food and water on hand for 72 hours. That's not doomsday paranoia. That's just common sense. Mm-hmm. How about you? Uh, no, I was just calling for your opinion and uh, I'm glad I heard it. Thank you very much, Richard. Appreciate it, Andrew. Alright, bye. You know, I guess that's kind of natural. You think if you host something like the conspiracy show that you're one of these preppers. Um, you know, that you're, uh, every weekend you're gonna fi- find me out at the firing range and, uh, um, you know, I've got a, I'm drinking my own urine. And <laughs> I don't, no, not one of those people. Not one of these people. However, yes, you gotta be, you gotta be smart. Uh, you gotta prepare. 72 hours at least. Uh, Dale is in Monroe, Louisiana. Dale, good morning and welcome. How are you? Good morning, Richard. Can you hear me okay? I can hear you loud and clear. Where is Monroe, Louisiana? Are you on the Gulf, or whereabouts are you? Uh, no, sir. No, sir. Uh, we're, we're probably about 350 miles from the Gulf. It's uh, in the corner of uh, Mississippi, Arkansas, and Louisiana, if, ah. you, if that gives you an idea. It does. Thank um, you. 56 degrees here, so I guess we're, we're in summertime compared to some parts of the world. That is a nice, nice January weather. Fifty-six degrees, that's, good for that's you. That's right. Oh. Uh, also, I'd like to add, you're one of the better hosts on uh, Coast to Coast when they have uh, backup hosts. You always have interesting guests, and I want to pay you that compliment because you certainly deserve it. I appreciate that, Dale. Thank you. Um, you know, I, I was uh, uh, caught the earlier part of the show about uh, you know fake uh, uh, landing and that sort of thing, and and uh, the pictures and the pictures bothered me too many times. And you know, if you if you go and you look at the X's uh, that are on that household live film, uh, a lot of the space shots, not just the ones on the moon, uh, you can see where they air dusted out the X's. The X's actually disappear when it when it goes into the uh, in, into space. 
you know? Mm-hmm, right. Uh, so I, I also agree, uh, I believe, as you said, that they had backup photographs and this, that, and the other. And I, I think that probably they did take shots on the moon, but probably every one of them had their head cut off, you know? And, and so they did use backup shots. Uh, uh, that was back before we believed that the United States government could uh, deceive anyone. Um, I was wondering, though, there's got to be some professional or some amateur astronomers who have been able to actually take photographs of the Apollo lunar landing sites. Now, I, I know that the, the a lunar lander module uh, is very small, but you're bound to be able to see some of those tracks of the uh, of the moon buggy and all that sort of thing. Right. Um, now, I, that's a good point, you know, Dale. And I, I, I didn't have time to mention that to uh, Marcus Allen, who was on with me on Coast uh, last night, and he was here a couple of weeks ago. Um, because I recall reading where just that, uh, an amateur astronomer or someone with access to a pretty powerful telescope, maybe a, a research facility or, a, or an actual observatory, that they were able to see, whether it was the lunar, uh, the lunar rover or something, uh, left behind by the uh, the astronauts. Now, don't quote me on that. Um, oh, but, I know. Uh, but I'm, I, I, you're right. I think that, you know, or someone else mentioned on the show last night on Coast last night that they, somebody was able to. They used the term "ping" one of these um, uh, artifacts on the moon. I'm not yes, sure what right. they meant or how they, they would left do that. that laser uh, uh, pad experiment there, uh, and they're able to hit it with a laser beam right. and, and get it to echo that. You know, and there there are also rovers that Russia left and everything, and they can also get reflections off of that too. Unmanned uh, Russia's uh, Russia left rovers up there. Well, Russia had rovers. They they did send rovers, but they of course never had any manned space uh, programs that we know of. Of course, I, I'm I'm kind of like you. I believe in the secret space program, and one day there will be disclosure. It certainly won't be by the government, but uh, I think there's already uh, Star Trek civilization out there that's us, and uh, we're not part of it. Fascinating to think about. Absolutely. Yeah. But, Dale? But, but, but we ought to be able to find some, some people, uh, certainly some of your listeners or something, that are amateur astronomers uh, or professional astronomers that have seen and that do have shots of that. Excellent points all, Dale, and thank you so much for checking in from Monroe, Louisiana. I hope you'll call again. I certainly want to thank you, Richard. Once again, you're one of the better hosts, Coast to Coast, and I'm going to start watching and uh, listening to your show quite regularly. Oh, God bless you for that, Dale. Thank you. All right. Um, yeah, just for the record again, I, I do believe that we, we landed on the moon, but I find this, you know, I, I think it's worthy having these conversations, and a lot of people think, you, you know, you shouldn't go there. You shouldn't talk about the lunar landing hoax, and, and I disagree. I want to hear this stuff. I want to learn. Uh, and... Marcus Allen presented some compelling evidence. And I'll have Marcus on again. And I'll have Joel Skawazan on again. And I will continue to have people on that stir the pot. And I'll hopefully stir the pot a little bit too. And some of you will tweet furiously that these people shouldn't be allowed on the air. Well, tweet away to your heart's desire. Thank you, Albert and uh, Ryan and Ian. And we'll be back next week with Michael Dixon from the University of Guelph and Nick Redfern. How to Grow Food on Mars, 365 Days of UFOs. In the meantime, don't be afraid. There's nothing concealed that won't be revealed and nothing hidden that won't be made known. What you hear in the dark, speak in the light. What I say in a whisper, proclaim from the housetops. Move over, Aphrodite. I'm coming home. Good night.